Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome to Grape Top Online. Glad y'all could be a part. We are continuing our series in Scary Truths. And I'm not going to lie, after seeing some of y'all's faces during last week's message, I was kind of like scared to continue this series. But in the feedback questions y'all shared, um, the, the thoughts and opinions y'all shared were very uh, encouraging. And it, it seemed like even though some of the things we talk about are hard to swallow sometimes, it's, it's, uh, we still need to talk about them. And today we're going to be talking about it's out there. It's out there. I'm trying to think of like like kind of scary titles, um, and it's not as easy as it seems. It's out there. I hope that gives like this like vague, you know, entity outside your door in the middle of the night that makes you kind of scared to look. Uh, maybe you got a, a backyard with a glass sliding door, and you don't want to open the curtains because it's out there, and. We, uh, what I want us to really take away from today's message is that there is a lot of truth out there that we're scared to witness, that we're scared to address in our lives and in our world, and we're going to talk about those things today. The first point that we have is truth for treat. Truth for treat. You like the little play on uh, Halloween I'm doing here? It only took me 30 minutes to come up with that. <laughs> Our human nature trades out truth for anything easier. Our human nature trades out truth for anything easier. I want to read a scripture in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. And it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth. Of people who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes... That is, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasonings, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible mankind, of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them up to vile impurity and the lust of their hearts so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood. And worshipped and served the Creator. That they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. I wanted to share this whole excerpt because it says a lot, and the truth will always come out and is typically obvious. 
what we're seeing in this verse is that the Bible says that God is evident within people, within mankind. And because the scripture says that, I believe it. It says that God is evident to mankind. And so what that means is even when someone tells me that they are an atheist or that they don't believe, the way, what I am actually hearing is that they are choosing not to believe even though there's evidence within themselves, evidence in creation, that they are choosing not to because they would rather believe in something else. And that's exactly, when you get an explanation of further, uh, the further explanation of why they don't believe in God, the things that they do believe in take much more faith to believe in and have much less evidence, but it's so obscure as they describe it. I mean, you're talking about people that refuse to believe in God, but will willingly believe in aliens, extraterrestrials, even though there is no evidence, there's no concrete evidence of it. They'd rather believe in something like that than the simplicity of God, a creator. And even with that notion, it does not explain origin. It does not explain uh, our, the, the incredibly intelligent design to our world. But they would rather believe in anything that would throw off the responsibility of their morals, integrity, anything like that. To where I can create my own universe. I can create my own world. That's easier than following anything that our creator has done. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And, and when you look at even just the history of the world. Nearly every nation, every people has a concept of a creator. It, it shows the, abundant, uh, the abundance of a knowing within ourselves of our creator. And when you get down to it, our world is so incredibly meticulous. I mean, even recent studies in examining our, our DNA and our RNA, scientists have been, they have been saying how it is so incredibly complex, just how our, our DNA and RNA work, that it even the best expert in the field, it's over their heads. It, they, they will openly admit how it's completely over their heads because of how incredibly complex and, and uh, unique and millions and millions of different combinations that create our bodies. Not to mention the idea of how uh, incredibly diverse uh, just the, the human race is to look at the 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 formation of human race, to think that it was just evolved from bacteria over time, when you really follow that trail, it makes no sense. It has no, it has no scientific reasoning to it. It's, it's assumed evidence. But in order to assume that evidence, you have to assume the only way that you're able to come to that theory of evolution is by assuming there is no creator. It's the only way. But... As I digress on that, this topic of just God being evident within mankind, I want us to understand how this verse is saying that there are things that truth has been clearly perceived, and so that we are without excuse. What I have found is that the, the older I get, the more that I learn, truth is typically very obvious. Truth is typically very obvious. 
no matter, uh, aside from scientific uh, ideas, aside from, um, you know, uh, is, the, is the sky blue, stuff like that, even when it comes to social issues, political issues, relationship issues, the truth is typically really obvious to where um, it, it sometimes is almost scary or intimidating to think that that could be the truth. It makes me think of uh, even typical situations within relationships and uh, uh, where one person is, is wondering if the other person is cheating and they start describing like, well, they've kind of been doing this, they've been saying that, they've been hiding their phone and it's like, dude, the truth is so obvious. Why, why are you trading anything but the truth? Y'all dig what I'm saying? Sometimes it's so in your face, but we ignore it because it's easier to ignore. I don't have to deal with those emotions right now. I'd rather just put it off and imagine that everything's okay. It's easier that way. This, the scripture also says, it talks about those who try to suppress the truth. And truly, woe to those who try to suppress the truth or hide from it because their own conscience will testify against them about how they knew it yet rejected it. The Bible says that our own conscience will stand against us on Judgment Day. I don't know how that's going to look, but what it's saying is that every moment that we say, well, I didn't really know, our conscience will, will be exposed and, and say, no, we knew. We knew. And every, every, even though we can talk our way out of so many things, we can manipulate our way out of so many things and ideas and situations, when it comes to Judgment Day, that full exposure to where our consciousness, uh, our, sub, our subconsciousness, our consciousness all together will not have a bridle. <laughs> we will not be able to control it. It will all be written out. It will all be exposed. That, that's a day where truth will be more clear and louder than ever before. And so woe to us when we try to suppress the truth, when we, when we try to hide from the truth, when we try to hide it from others. Woe to us. Because it will not last forever. The truth can be difficult. A truth can be very difficult to swallow at times. And so we trade it for fantasies and complicated rabbit holes that go nowhere. It makes me think of uh, get-rich-quick schemes. How many of y'all have been uh, had a day where you just hated your job and you started looking up all these uh, get-rich-quick ideas? <laughs> And then you have that one like friend, uh, acquaintance that you never talked to. Is like, wait a minute. I have an opportunity for you. I have my own business. <laughs> and they start sharing their network marketing company of how it, it will change your life. It, uh, even though their life hasn't really been changed yet, it will change yours dramatically almost instantly. And what, with, when it comes to ideas like that, when it comes to uh, commission-based sales, when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to the lottery, gambling, all these other ideas, we, we'd much rather trade the simple truth of hard work, patience, and self-control grows wealth and trade it for, I can just work my way around that. It's a perfect illustration of, of the way that we see truth in almost every other aspect of life. Or maybe instead of just facing the hard truth we would rather chase these rabbit holes that go nowhere, like uh, some random person on TikTok that's live reading tarot cards and explanations of the universe that 
they found out through these cards and their divine, uh, their divine connection to the supernatural, to the universe as a whole. It's, it's insane. And what's most insane, when I see this, me and Lauren will be scrolling through TikTok and she makes me watch so that I can laugh with her. And, and she'll stop and I'll see these, we see these people and it's insane to me what they're saying. It's just completely ludicrous. What is more insane is that people are like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. Whoa. It's like, dude, like, thank God people don't just sell like snake oil tonics anymore because you'd be, you'd be throwing up on the side of the road somewhere. You'd be dead. Like you would have believed anything anyone said to you. And that's, and that's today with so much access to knowledge, we we listen to just moronic ideas, crazy sounding things, because it's easier to follow this mysterious trail that we would never really know if it's real or not. But it's more uh, it, it, it has so much less responsibility to it because we don't know that could be the way, even though truth is right in front of us. We trade truth for treats. And we waste so much time making and chasing these complicated lies and complicated explanations in order to evade the truth. But the truth is often simple and foundational and structured. The Bible says that the cross, the message of the gospel, Jesus paying for our sins on the cross, is so simple that it frustrates the world. It frustrates the world. That it, it comes across as foolishness because of how simple it is. Albert Einstein once said, to take a complicated thing and make it simple is genius. So I would beckon the idea that to do the opposite, to take a simple thing and make it complicated is moronic, is idiotic, is foolish. And yet we would rather do that time and time again because the simple truth is too hard to face sometimes. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Amen. Making way. Thank you. Amen. We're kicking it old school today. I don't even have to say you feel me or you dig it. It's like just in our hearts. Amen. Let's go into our next point. This is going to get uh, uh, badder, <laughs> badder and, and uh, more personal. Our next point is cross my heart. Cross my heart. I guess this point should really be double-cross my heart because our hearts become blinded through either desires or offenses. Our hearts become blinded through either desires or offenses. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 through 10, it says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind to give to each person according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. We can be incredibly stubborn when we are emotional and prideful. Whether it's through desire or from an offense, our hearts will convince us that we are right, even without reason. This has ever happened to you before where you're missing either your phone or your keys and you know that you left it right there on the table. You know that you did. And you start going around. And first you see it and not there. And you immediately get mad because you know that someone moved it. Someone took it. 
and you start going around the house. Hey, where'd you put my where'd you put my keys? I gotta go. Where'd you put my phone? I don't know. I didn't see. It. I are you serious? Come on. Where did you? You must have moved it when you were cleaning up. You're always wanting to clean things, and you moved it. Start accusing because you know where you left it. You get all frustrated. And after accusing everybody in the house, maybe you even thought your friend was over the other day. They stole it. <coughs> I got a little tickle in my throat. <coughs> Don't look at me like this. <coughs> You're like, kill him. He has COVID. No. <coughs> <coughs> is when you speak for a prolonged amount of time that could happen to your throat <coughs> man this audio is going to sound jacked up because <laughs> I'm not going to edit it <laughs> um, anyway so after you go around accusing everybody because you just know you know so much in your heart where you left it and all of a sudden you go into the restroom or something you and you look in your the pants that you wore yesterday, or maybe you're about to use the restroom and you feel in the back of your pocket like, oh, I left my phone in my back pocket. Oh, I left it in my other purse. That's right. I, I used my other purse the other day. And you realize that you were completely wrong. But in the moment, you felt that you were just so right. Even though you didn't have any reason to it, you just knew. You knew but you found out you were dead wrong. And see, those feelings that we go off of, we set ourselves up to be double-crossed by our hearts when we choose to believe a feeling of simply being right instead of evidence, instead of reason, instead of logic. I just know are the famous last words before being embarrassed, humiliated, or it's simply being dead wrong. I just know. We must consistently check our hearts with blatant truths. Whether it's rooted in desire or offense, don't let a stubborn heart blind you from reality. You will miss out on meaningful experiences, meaningful relationships, if you allow yourself to be tricked by your emotions. I want to unpack these two concepts. Desire. I am not trying to, to project that desire is wrong. But when you desire something, because your heart is emotionally involved, your uh, brain literally starts lowering its judgment levels. It's, just, it's literally how addiction works. When you crave something, when you desire something, your pleasure sensors in your, in your mind are so activated that it draws energy from the sensors that use your judgment to where you no longer even think critically as much because you are so focused on what you desire. And that's why it, it's, a, it's, a chemical, uh, it's a chemical exchange that happens that causes us to fall into addictions, that causes us to, to buy way too much even though we wrote down a budget. It, it causes us to make bad decisions simply out of desire or maybe it's a relationship and 
And you want so badly for it to work, you want so badly for it to be good, and the, de uh, the desire is so strong that you start overlooking the red flags, you start overlooking the things that, uh, that would make it complicated, the truths that are right in front of you, because the desire is so strong. Some of y'all are thinking about some past relationships right now and thinking, oh, frick, that was what happened then. <laughs> I couldn't see right. I was too infatuated. My desires were too heightened that I wasn't thinking right. Maybe it's the offense it's directly connected to our heart. When we are offended, we will choose not to listen to reason. We will choose not to listen to logic because of our pride. We, we would rather be right. We would rather be justified. <laughs> and I think the best example I could use for this is any married couple. <laughs> to where a married couple could be in a fight and then not even want to fight anymore. Not even remember why they were mad, what started the fight. But because they were simply offended and they still feel that, they throw out logic, reason, uh, the, 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 even the simple understanding of moving on, throw it all out because we are offended. Our hearts are, are mad or hurt. And don't be pointing at your spouse right now. I've been married for nine years now. I'm just telling you, don't point at them. But I've just learned a thing or two. Uh, once you have to start wearing makeup for black eyes, it's, it makes you feel different. <laughs> I'm talking about me getting the black eye, by the way. <laughs> um, what I'm getting at is that even whether it's desire, we're coveting something, we want something so bad, we throw out logic, reason, our hearts deceive us. Or whether it's offense, we don't even know why we're mad anymore, but we're choosing to stay in that, that feeling of madness. And it makes our marriage madness. It makes our family madness. Our relationships with our parents madness. We make our workspaces madness because we're just holding on to the offense that we don't even remember where it came from. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Our hearts are incredibly deceitful. They will double-cross you. Our feelings are real, but it doesn't make, it, it doesn't justify uh, or make it right to stay in blindness. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And so I feel like this is a good segue to our last point, and that is a house against itself. A house against itself. The biggest threat to any meaningful group of people is gossip and division. The biggest threat to any meaningful group of people is gossip and division. I'm going to just read several verses from throughout the Bible and then I'm going to speak. In Mark chapter 3, verse 24 through 25, it says, And if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Notice that when Jesus says this, he gives a big picture, and then he gives a small picture. Saying that it doesn't matter whether it's a, a, a big group or a small group. It doesn't matter if it's within a marriage or within an organization. A house divided against itself, people divided against themselves cannot stand. 
Proverbs 8, 20, 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. James 1, 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this person's religion is worthless. James chapter 4, 11 through 12. Do not speak against one another, brother and sister. The one who speaks against a brother or sister or judges his brother or sister speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not doer, a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you judging your neighbor? This is James talking about within the church. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person spreads strife, and a slanderer separates close friends. Proverbs 2019. One who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a gossip. Proverbs 26, 20 through 24. This is the last one. For the lack of wood, the fire goes out. And there is no uh, where there is no gossiper, quarreling quiets down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious person to kindle strife. The words of a gossiper are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. Like an earthenware vessel overlaid with silver impurities are burning lips and a wicked heart. One who hates disguises it with his lips, but he harbors deceit in his heart. I want us to take a moment to understand that division is one of the ugliest things to experience within a family, within a church, within a workplace, anywhere. Division is, is just destruction to something that was once whole. And the, one of the major causes of di this division is gossip. And anyone that's been in church long enough knows that in order to be a good churchgoer, you tell everybody to their face, God bless you, but behind their backs, you talk real ugly about them. Is, is one of the things about church that mimics the way that we operate in the world. A lot of people think all people do at church is talk about each other. No, that's what they do everywhere, but at church, you just expect it to be different. And when it comes to gossip, I want you to understand that there's, there's two aspects of it. One is being the gossip, being the gossiper. And when we choose to talk negatively about somebody else, we steal the, opportun the opportunity for other people to have a relationship with others. It makes me think about a time when I first started going to church and a brother from the church uh, outside right after service said, hey, I just want to say be careful around uh, this person because I, I, did, uh, I gave them this and they never gave it back and blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's none of my business. <laughs> Got real upset. <laughs> I was just telling you, I'm not trying to gossip or nothing. I'm just telling you so you can be aware. It's like, that's none of my business. That's between y'all two. Now that, that's going to give me 
a different perception of that person even though they didn't do anything to me. And it's going to make it seem as if she did something to me when they didn't. And see, you steal people's, people's perspectives of others when you try to share that dirty laundry. And another scripture that, that I didn't include here is uh, the first person to share in court always seems right until the cross-examination is done. It's a proverb in scripture. What it's saying is the first person to speak always seems right until the other person gets a chance to say something. Has that ever happened to you? Someone's spilling the beans, giving you all the cheese man, and you're just like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. What a horrible person. They should die. You start getting all into it too, and like, like, yeah, I can't believe that you feel that way because of what they did and said. And you just, you're like their biggest cheerleader right there, and you're like, yeah, you know what else? You're like, yeah, they should go to hell. You get all into it. And then maybe you see that person and you either treat them normal, like you didn't just uh, damn them to hell, like, hey, how's it going, brother? Hey, good to see you. And then you walk away, self-righteous dog. You just do that little two-face action. Or maybe you stop saying hello to them and you just indirectly start trying to let them know that you don't like them by ignoring them isolating them and all of a sudden they're wondering why no one at church likes them and why they don't fit in anywhere until eventually they leave and they think they had such a horrible isolating experience in a place where they thought they found God and they realized it was all just a lie you see how quickly gossip can just ruin somebody's life and that is just and what was the gossip mainly about is probably something so petty, something so stupid, and we allow it to isolate and destroy people. And the devil's just laughing it up like, idiots, that was so easy, so easy to destroy them. I didn't even have to try. And I want us to understand this very clear thing that even when it comes to people having a legitimate quarrel or a legitimate fight between each other, sometimes it's not about someone being right or wrong. It, it's more so about uh, just the other, uh, them not understanding or seeing each other's perspectives and the raw emotions that they were exchanging. It's really just they wanted to see it their way and they didn't want to see it the other person's way. It's not even right or wrong. Who is in the right? Who is in the wrong? It's just about being mature adults and growing up. And when it comes to us as mature Christians, we are growing in our faith. And when it comes to becoming an adult, you have to really just put the high school drama to the side after a certain age. We have to put these petty arguments aside. You know, Paul tells the early church, the early church was having legitimate lawsuits against each other. I'm talking about like they had financial, uh, uh, financial lawsuits with one another. And Paul was told then, you make us look like idiots. Uh, fighting with each other legally like that in front of unbelievers. Why would anyone want to become a believer if they see us acting like that? 
And he says, why not just allow yourself to be wrong for the sake of others? And here, in our day and age, not even that we don't even lose anything. Just our pride is so strong that it's just I want to be right. It's not even that you're going to be wronged, like as if you lost something, but you just want to be right. You want the other person to pay. And we do that not only with our fellow believers in church, but we, we bring it all the way outside of church. We share all the cheese, man. And we wonder, why, why does that person ever come with me to church even though I invited them? Because they know all your drama. Why would they want to be a part of it? We divide and divide and divide against ourselves. And it's time for us as a church to grow up and make a difference in our lives. Dude, that is such a nice hat. <laughs> Just saw Juan uh, representing the grave top hat. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Let me remove this camera. <laughs> um, sorry, it's just so nice. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so anyway, we're damning people to hell. <laughs> we, we really need to grow up and be ma mature Christians. When it comes to us having a wrong, feeling a disagreement with somebody else, we need to grow up and not just share that business with everybody else. We need to eat, remember that Jesus chose to resolve our sin. He chose to reach out in forgiveness and resolve our relationship with God. And he commands us to resolve our issues with others especially within the church. You know how many people have left this church because they got offended with somebody? You know how many people switch entirely different churches just because they got offended with somebody and they don't want to go anymore? I'm going to take my ball and go home. You know how many people just leave church altogether because of crap like that? It is life, those are huge life decisions that people make and it all starts from gossip. So I urge you, one, don't be the gossiper yourself. Two, I urge you to, to throw water on that fire of gossip whenever you see it. Throw water on it. And it's either, uh, Jesus commands us to be confrontational as a church. Did you know that? He, he does not tell us to just shy away from confrontations uh, like we do in our generations where we can't even answer the phone. We, he, he commands, <laughs> that was funny, right? We, how many of y'all just let it go to voicemail? You don't recognize the number? Like, I don't know. <laughs> if, they, if it's important, they'll leave a voicemail. Unless you know you got debt collections, like you never answer the phone. No, like <laughs> but Jesus commands us to be confrontational to the point where he says, he tells the Jewish people, if you have a gift off the altar, but you have a, a, a quarrel, an issue, an offense with somebody else, leave your gift there and go reconcile yourself with that person. Imagine if we really operated like that to where when we're offended, when we're mad, when we're upset with other people, we're like, I need to deal with this. I need to, I need to really reconcile this relationship. Even if it is me being the first to apologize even though I don't want to, or I, I don't feel like it, 
of being mature enough to allow myself to be wrong. Y'all dig what I'm saying? What are you really holding on to? And there's no way to answer it without saying my pride. God, great news. God calls us to be humble people. So why not? What a great opportunity to allow God to soften your heart, to have a moment of humility and be the first one to apologize. And if that person doesn't have it and they, they, they cuss you out, they, don't, they still don't want to have anything to do with you, you can at least leave knowing that you tried. You did your part. And there is peace in that. And even if, if it's a, a real nasty thing, even when you choose to be reconciled, when you choose to, to talk about it, it doesn't mean you have to be their best friend afterwards. It just means that you made a wrong right. And you can, you can be mutually in the same room without feeling all this whirlwind of emotions inside yourself. You can at least be decent. You dig what I'm saying? And, and then finally, when you see that, when, when you hear it going on, we need to throw water on those, those fires. We need to throw waters on those fires. You know, there's so many, so many different practical methods when it comes to trying to stop gossip. And it could be, and it's really crazy when you try it. It's, the, the expressions on people's faces are hilarious. Imagine someone coming up to you, starting to spill the beans. They're like, are you serious? You know, let's go talk to them right now. Let's, let's sort this out. What <laughs> was just telling you so you could be aware. It's like, no, no, we, need, we should sort this out right now. God wants us to be reconciled. How embarrassing. How embarrassing to know that unknowingly they were going to be forced to reconcile this, this situation when they just wanted to, to spread strife. They just wanted to form a band against this person, and now they have to be a grown-up and go talk to them. Or maybe, you, maybe you, they're not around, and you say, "And that's so weird, because this person, uh, I see these really good qualities of that person. That sounds out of their character. Right? Maybe they were having an off day. Just bring uh, some mild defense to them, even though you don't know. Just giving the the the." the possibility, the, the probable doubt that there is something else behind the scenes because most likely there was. You know how many times I've heard somebody say, yeah, and they said this, this, and that to me, and they're, they're horrible people. And then I get the other person's side, and they're like, yeah, well, they, uh, they hit me with their car. And it's like, it's like something crazy. We're like, well, that sounds like a reasonable response. <laughs> that's, that's how I, you responded better than I would have. <laughs> So many times. And, and so I, I urge you, don't fall into the trap of gossip because you will only be contributing to division. You will only be contributing to pain, to isolation, to hurt, not just within, with the people involved, but with the whole group. Whether it's a family, whether it's a church, whether it's a workplace. And if you've ever been in a workplace or a church or anywhere where it's gossip like that, it's where everyone just talks nasty about each other, it's a horrible environment to be in. It, you are not excited to go to work. You're not excited to be in those places. And especially when it comes to a family, anyone that's been in a, in a divorced home, whenever the other parent starts talking trash about the other parent, it's, it's wicked horrible. I remember growing up just like, dude, like, 
like, please, like, I don't want to hear all that you think about my dad again. Oh, I don't want to hear all that you, all that my mom did to you. I, I don't want to hear. I'm independent of that. And it's just creating all this turmoil within me. Gossip always divides. Gossip always burns those bridges. It always hurts the family. It always hurts the church. It always hurts the workplace. And so why not be the mature one? Why not be the person that brings healing? Why not bring the, be the person that brings reconciliation? Why not be the adult and, and accept the scary truth that you have a responsibility to stop it when you find it? It's a scary truth. So with that being said, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And a lot of what we talked about today was truth. Truth. And truth is often simple, but it can also be a task to pursue. But truth always is the best thing to stand on. It is unshaky. It is stable ground. We should always pursue it. We should always seek it. And maybe something that you realize today is that you have been evading truth in your life. You've been trading out truth for treats. And you've been chasing Things that are simply not real in order to evade the truth that has been right in front of you. And it is that truth best seen in your relationship with God. If you're here today with every head bowed and eye closed, and the truth you need to be reconciled with today is your relationship with Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart, Confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is, that he, what he said was true, that who he was was true, that the resurrection was true, the death was a payment for our sins, that being all true, if you just simply acknowledge that and talk to Jesus with an authentic heart, surely you shall be saved. And all that is, is really just acknowledging a great truth. And saying, I want to walk in this truth. You can have that conversation yourself. You don't need me to lead you through it. Have that own conversation. But make it a decision, a choice that you make today. To follow after truth. Now maybe you're here. And there's just other points on this message that have been hitting you. And you're realizing not only the importance of truth. But you're realizing the dangers of our hearts the dangers of gossip and division. And maybe you've been experiencing a lot of division in your life. And you just, you, it's just like, out of all things to be talked about today, that's what's hitting you. And you, do, you just need the Holy Spirit to come and restore and reconcile, bring unity in your life again. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. So God, right now I pray for the Holy Spirit to solidify and mend the things that have been divided. I rebuke the devourer. I cancel 
all debt that we've been holding on to. And I just speak a releasing of that debt, a forgiveness, so that we can freely forgive and release these people and pursue reconciliation, pursue unity again. Because you first forgave us. You first reconciled us. And so we just surrender that right now. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to do a great work in people's hearts. That you would mend what is broken. Heal what has been hurting. And finish what you started. In Jesus' name, amen. With that being said, we're going to go into a time of worship. Before we do, we're going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part. We love you. Have a good life. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.